Hi, and welcome to Vicarious, a podcast that dives into the creative minds of me, Alex Scott, and me, Karen White, and anyone else who will talk to us. (laughs) This episode is kind of a continuation of where we left off last week. Yeah, we're going to be getting into why we decided to make this podcast, the conversation that sparked it, and some of the challenges that we've been facing career-wise and in our creative endeavors. And we're also going to touch on some of the other outlets that we found along the way. Okay, we've got a lot to dive into today. uh, But before we do that, Alex, what is one creative thing that you did this week? One creative thing that I did this week is kind of the OG creative thing. I played a show. <laughs> nice. Um, my boyfriend, Chris, hosted a house show at his place on the weekend, and I played a set of original music. We had a really nice crowd. Someone special was in the audience. Oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was a blast. I think it's my favorite set that I've performed this year, not you know, not this calendar year per mm. se, but, you know, like whole 12 months. Right. Wow. Um, not that I've performed a ton. It's something that, you know, I could definitely use a little more practice on. But yeah, the crowd was just really nice and welcoming. And I felt good about my set. It was a fun night. Yeah, so. you did great. It was it was Thank beautiful. You. Your songs. I mean, I always like your songs, but I think you're right. The The vibe was just really nice, you know, cozy and intimate and yeah 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 the vibes were right Mm -hmm. and they had some cool lighting I think that was a nice upgrade from their last house show Mm. and Kriya did an opening set before me yeah yeah where they just killed it on upright bass yes a future guest of Vicarious stay tuned and that was their first time performing with the upright bass so that was pretty special after picking it up a month ago so that was Kriya's creative thing for the week. We'll <laughs> claim that for them. Um, and also my creative thing was performing and just, yeah, getting to play all original music, no covers. It was it was lots of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Karen? What was your creative thing for the week? Well, um, I actually, you know, I found a book that I bought years ago. It was like 300 writing prompts. Oh, or something like that. And I bought it, like I said, I bought it years ago. I think I filled out the first one and then I just kind of tucked it away. And so I pulled it out. Actually, I think I filled out a couple. So I pulled it out for no real reason other than just I saw it and was like, yeah, okay, this, I'm going to give this a try and see what happens. And I opened it up and the one that was there was write a journal entry by you from like 10 years from now. Oh, cool. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought that was really cool because a couple of days ago, uh, at the time of recording this, mm-hmm. um, I just celebrated my 30th birthday. And so it was interesting because I was imagining writing it just before my 40th. Yeah, <laughs> another big milestone. Yes, yeah. And, you know, in the build up to my 30th, I've been feeling very old. <laughs> You know, just kind of reaching that point of, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm an adult. There's like no hiding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that know? is the thing about being in your 30s. You can't really, you know, rely on that kind of extended adolescence. Like once you hit yeah. 30, it's like, yeah, no, I'm here. This is my life. <laughs> <laughs> this is my life. Yeah, that's such a good way to put it. You know, you kind of imagine in your 20s there are all these paths you can go down and even if you're already decided on one 
you feel this sense of that you could just change, you know, change, veer off and do some different things. And then I don't know, I've just realized in this lead up to becoming 30 that the start of my path is like way behind me. (laughs) I can't can't even see it anymore. And, you know, not to say we can't still veer off and do different things, of course. I mean, we're starting this podcast, um, which I think has been really helpful (laughs) Um, in my, you know, my stress about aging. But yeah, it just it just feels like you have you have picked your path, you know, you've chosen your path and you're in it. (laughs) So not to dive into our episode just yet. Let's get back on that creative thing. What was your what was your so you're writing a prompt from yourself 10 years in the future. Yeah. Okay. So the what I was trying to get at here before this very long-winded <laughs> preamble was that I was writing it and I just kind of, I didn't put too much thought into where I actually thought I would be in 10 years, but I just started writing and I uh, was writing about how young I still felt. <laughs> oh, nice. And it was interesting. It kind of helped me to you know, to get some perspective and and realize that where I'm at now is 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 great, and um, being forty is great, and it just uh, yeah, it was really helpful. Just write it out, kind of stream of consciousness mm-hmm. style, mm-hmm. and see where my mind was at really with it in a way that I I wasn't really aware of before. Yeah, that is a really interesting prompt because it's sort of forces you into this like bird's eye view of where you are it's like kind of like forcing that hindsight before you actually have it which is a really interesting experience because it's very easy to just get like sucked into where we are right now and again I feel like we're actually diving into (laughs) uh the the crux of this episode right off the bat right off yeah it's on my mind Something that has been a a big influence on why we decided to create this podcast. The genesis of it was that Karen and I were having a conversation about feeling kind of creatively stuck Mm -hmm. um, about our own creative paths and just, you know, feeling a little unsure about what the next steps are, what, what our creative or career goals are. And wanting a little bit more clarity. And so that was really what sparked the idea for this podcast was to speak to people, to have conversations like we had just the two of us, but with other people that we know, other friends that are maybe going through similar things or mm. at different stages of their of their journey, quote unquote, <laughs> <laughs> Very, you know, a maligned word at this point. But we just want to have candid conversations about the challenges of maintaining a creative life and just some tips from each other and from our friends and people we meet along the way to help guide us to maintain, you know, the motivation to maintain a sense of optimism, a sense of, I I hesitate to use the word progress because I think we're going to get into how tricky (laughs) ideas like quote unquote progress can Mm -hmm. feel and the pressure of of output yeah of productivity absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah I think I think we said this in the in the last episode you know there's or I was always under the impression that creativity was that kind of stroke of genius right there was this element of 
this specialness, right? Um, And it seemed like a personality trait, right? Like some people are creative, some people are not. Mm -hmm. And I think it's only been in the last few years that I've realized that everyone has creativity and it's it's a skill like anything else right you nurture it and you can you can prioritize it and yeah uh, lean into it yeah I think piggybacking off of what you're saying too I um I also really conflated the idea of creativity with well one output but two greatness like you said like specialness you know and not really letting or getting a little bit stuck on the idea of of things having to be good, like having, you know, writing, when I write a song, it has to be good. It has to be uh, something that I fully stand behind and I will perform. And, you know, that meets this specific standard that I've set for myself. And oftentimes they fall short and it can be really easy to lose the joy of, your creative hobbies Mm -hmm. or what started as creative hobbies, like, you know, songwriting for me, um, because I've put this pressure on them to have an outcome. Right. And how do you even know? Like, how do you even know what's good and bad when you're, you know, when you are part of the process, like it's coming through you? How, How can one have an objective, I guess, for lack of a better term, like an objective perspective when it is fully subjective. Yeah. <laughs> when you when you are the subject, you are the the outputter, the performer. Right. Like it's it's completely impossible to kind of judge the quality of your own. Well, I shouldn't say it's impossible. That's not totally true. But we are our own worst critics, as everyone as everyone knows. Um, so it is hard to be in the creative process when you're in the mindset of wondering if it's good enough or mm-hmm. where is this going? Am I going to use this for an album? Am I going to perform this? You know, right. and just kind of getting used to writing or whatever it is you do, painting, singing, knitting, <laughs> <laughs> without thinking that it has to turn into something great or special. Yes. Yes. I think that word is so, it's so overwhelming, you know, the, the special. I mean, you know, some people can argue, right? Like there's nothing truly unique about music that's being produced right now, right? Every note and every combination has been has been thought of in the centuries that we've been, you know, writing uh, and sharing music. And yeah, I mean, you, you can make yourself crazy just trying to focus on that side of things. Like, is this unique? Is this new? Is this worthwhile? And it takes away from what you're actually trying to say or to portray. Mm-hmm. And I think going back to us being our own worst critics, there is like an ineffable quality of specialness just by creating what you create. Because even though everything that we could ever come up with has already been done, there is this quality within us, that charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent. <laughs> to take it back to uh, Yeah, to our- take it back to RuPaul, <laughs> that we probably don't see in ourselves, at least don't mm. see clearly often, that yeah. still comes through. I see it when I when I see my friends perform. That mm. really personal, intangible quality that is uniquely them. Yes. And that is the specialness. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that point of view. It, you're right. It's so it's so easy to see in others, and but so hard to see within ourselves when you live your life as you every day. Yeah, <laughs> you get very used to who you are, and uh, you can really really lose track of what makes you you. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think it is. It's down to understanding yourself and understanding your point of view, and just trying to get that across. An added challenge when we are thinking about creativity and creative output is when we become so laser focused on channeling that creative energy in one arena. Mm -hmm. So for us, you know, it's been music for so long and, um, you know, going to school for music. I know I personally found it really challenging creatively because we were studying music all day And suddenly the thing that I used as an outlet, a hobby was now like, you know, for lack of a better term, like it was like my job, Mm -hmm. you know, we were, we were doing it all day and that wasn't like a release. And not only that, we were studying jazz, which has so much, you know, like kind of, well, for one history, of course, it has a lot of history. It has a lot of kind of like frameworks, you know, like depending on what kind of what we were working on, if it was like bebop solos or transcriptions or whatever mm-hmm. it is, like we had kind of specific parameters about like what is jazz, what is not jazz. Mm-hmm. And I found it really tricky to write for fun in that environment because yeah. I was being really hard on myself, you know, just thinking that because what I write is like, you know, a lot more pop oriented, folk oriented, R&B oriented. And it just felt so simple too simple not jazz not jazz not not heady intellectual yeah not Um, elevated enough not mm -hmm. sophisticated enough so therefore I I happened to go vegan in 20 January of 2016 so that was you know the halfway through our third year of school and I decided to start a blog. Yes, the blog. My, uh, my, my long defunct blog, oh, Seeds and Songs, R.I.P. My, my mom loved that blog, Alex. I honestly, I think Bev was my biggest fan. She yeah. she made a couple of recipes, which is so sweet. Mm. And she's not even vegan. She's not even know? vegan, but, but she, she is a great baker. She Fantastic baker. Absolutely is, yes. So I was honored that she made my cookies, <laughs> quite frankly. And yeah, I just found that I I needed that other outlet to feel fulfilled. I think as quote unquote creatives, it can be difficult to to unravel our egos <laughs> when yeah. we're so tied up in in our in our work in mm-hmm. in what we've made our career or what we're trying to make into a career. Sometimes it, you know, it robs us of the joy, you know, why we were brought to it in the first place. Mm -hmm. So being able to, with the blog, you know, use my creativity in the kitchen, but also taking photos. They were horrible, but it still made me feel (laughs) creatively fulfilled. And doing some of the writing, I was able to, um, you know, excavate some of that pent up energy that I felt like I wasn't really able to express mm-hmm. in the ways that I had before. And I know that, Karen, you've come, you, or I shouldn't say come up with, it's more you've revisited some of those creative outlets that you had growing up. Yeah, very similar to you, right? I Music was the hobby. And, you know, whoever said if you have a job you love, you'll never have to work a day in your life. Um, 
I have a bone to pick with them. <laughs> yeah. I have not found that to be the case. It's I, I still love music, of course, but I definitely needed some other outlets for my creativity and just somewhere for my brain to go that wasn't wrapped up in, like you said, this kind of ego. And yeah, for me, it was like crafting, crafty things. Yeah. Karen had an Etsy before it was Etsy. I mean, and it's not <laughs> not that you had Etsy, but you were you were selling things. You were making things. You were slinging your your wares all around Delta. Yeah, you <laughs> <Just> know, <kidding. laughs> all around the Annieville playground. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When I was about oh, maybe ten, you know what? The same friend I mentioned. What up, Nadine? Her grandma, her grandma taught me how to knit. She didn't teach me how to cast on. If any of you knitters out there uh, know what casting on is, then you'll know that that that's a very crucial skill. Uh, You can't really get started without it. But she taught me the basic knitting stitch and I just kind of ran with it. Got my mom to then cast on everything I made. (laughs) Um, And I would just make anything that was rectangular uh, that could be knit in garter stitch. You know, I just, I made uh, scarves, you know, that's the obvious one. And then you have to get creative. You know, I made some belts. Oh, some wrist- knitted belts. Knitted belts, knitted wristlets, <laughs> um, uh, headbands, you know, and things you could sew together at the end. Uh, yeah, and I would just, I would just sell them on the playground. Uh, <laughs> she was an entrepreneur. Yeah, I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I, I enjoyed it for a short time when I was young and just kind of lost interest as you do, you know, when you're young and you're trying a million things. And it wasn't until COVID, like lockdown started that I realized I had no hobbies, <laughs> you know, other than music, which was now my full-time job and a source of a lot of stress. Yeah. Um I, that was that was basically it. That and you know my social life, right? Yeah. And that, the now <laughs> defunct social life, thanks to thanks to lockdown, right? Exactly. So I found myself with so much time, which I'd, I'd never had before, and nothing to really do. So I picked up knitting again, and I've been knitting for a few years now, and continue on with it. And it is such a meditative thing for me. It's a way to really kind of be present and kind of check out a little bit but still be doing something like you know just using your hands in this kind of repetitive way I find so therapeutic it's so helpful to just just calm calm me down sometimes get me like seated and um you know focused on something without really having to focus on it and I'll say two things there because uh, Karen very kindly mm. and patiently, I might add, taught me how to knit. <laughs> only took like two to three years. Yeah. Of, of, <laughs> I mean, it was really only two sessions, but they were years apart. Right, <laughs> it took me right. a couple of years to come around to it. The but, first the first yeah. time your head wasn't in it. Yeah. Your, your was, heart wasn't in yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nor my head. I was <laughs> I'm not great at, with instructions. But Two things I was gonna say that I think are are kind of crucial here that you're that you're that you're touching on especially having music as our main hobby, it is nice to have an artistic 
outlet that where you're making something tangible because that's the thing with music yeah. it's, <laughs> especially if you're not recording it it's just in the ether you know yeah. and, and that's the beautiful the beautiful thing about m- making music about singing is it is happening in the moment mm-hmm. it is happening within your body it is happening in time and space but that's it there's nothing to hold on to there's nothing to you know present at the end unless right. you're doing it again in real time or or, or you know recording but I think that's one thing that is really gratifying is being able to hold something in your hands and just have that tactile relationship. And then the second thing I wanted to just touch on really quickly that you that you said was the focus and especially, you know, it's it's strange to say post COVID because, you know, what, what is, is what is post, <laughs> right? <laughs> right. We're, we're still kind of Anyway, we won't get into that. (laughs) But being able to be off your screen, be off your phone, even if you're like watching a movie or watching TV, I think we've all gotten so used to double screening, you know, (laughs) scrolling through Instagram while you've got a show on and just being able to have that moment of like singular focus. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe not singular if you're also watching, but just being more present (laughs) more present I mean you're right it's 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 tactile right and so even if you're not a hundred percent engaged in that thing that you're making you can feel it it's like engaging other senses right yeah I mean I can't I can't knit and not listen to a podcast or watch a show or you know, listen to music or something like that, right? I, I, my focus isn't that good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it is so rewarding. And, you know, there's something so special about having that tangible quality, <laughs> just going in circles with what, <laughs> what you're saying. And I think that kind of ties us back really nicely to what we were getting at. In episode one, Karen and I both said that or both shared that We are both kids who are interested in creative expression in many mediums. We are both interested in drawing, in singing. I think you probably, like me, made up a lot of dances with friends, writing. (laughs) Like I was, you know, I was trying to write novels, even if it was only one or two pages. I've got like, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) or notebooks from nine-year-old me and little stories and We didn't feel limited to one niche or one vein. Right. And I think finding that again in adulthood is really rewarding. And it can be challenging in and of itself, knowing that you're starting as a beginner again, that you're not going to be good at something that you've maybe lost touch. Like for for instance, for me, I was such a big drawer. I loved drawing so much, but I, I... you know, I, I stopped doing it when I was relatively young in in a serious way because I, I really fell in love, fell hard with music and focused on that. And I found it challenging to get back into drawing because I know that I'm not where I would be had I kept going. And it's, it's right. it can be it can be difficult to accept your disappointing output, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to let yourself get better and to practice. Yeah, it's it. I mean, starting anything, I think, is the hardest part, right? Or no, not starting. But you know, once you've once you've made that initial progress, because, you know, when you start learning something, it's pretty quick and you learn the basics quite quickly. And that feels really rewarding. And then you hit that bit of a wall yeah, where you've kind of figured out, you know, everything you need to know to to do the thing. Um, and then you realize that 
it's not very good. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, oh, okay, but I'm not at that level. And that's where those, you know, as they say, the 10,000 hours, that's where it yes. comes in. And that's the make or break point. You know, am I going to put in this time and effort to improve and understand that it's going to be slow going? It's going to be a slog and it's mm-hmm. probably, you know, not going to be as good as I want it to be and might never be. But that is the value of having hobbies. Yeah. And I think we really lose sight of that in adulthood, particularly if we've chosen to make some type of creative endeavor our main gig, you know, Mm -hmm. or our main source of income, we'll say, like teaching music, for instance. Or when your job is in a creative field, you can feel like all your creative energy needs to go into it. And there's no room for other creative endeavors or hobbies that are purely for you. When we started, you know, making music professionally, but even in school, I mean, we went to school for music and that is a very competitive place, right? Even though we're not, we're working together, there's no active competition happening. There's no like rankings that are taking place, but you can't help. No explicit rankings. No explicit <laughs> rankings, right? We all, you know, that's it. We, we're doing that in our head, right? Yeah. We're comparing ourselves to other people. There is, and there's a grading rubric. Like we yeah. are succeeding and failing at this seemingly creative thing. Yes. And not only that, um, we're being graded, obviously. And then we're also being... I don't want to say the only word that came to mind was segregated. That feels a little strong, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We're we, being, yeah. yeah, we're being separated into, yes. you know, for instance, like cap mm. singers versus nightcap, right? right? Or a band, B band, C, C band. band. Yeah. There's of kind course. of an inherent tier system. Yes. Hierarchy. Yeah. And in that way it is explicit yes. <laughs> in, in, yeah. in a regard, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And not to even mention the favoritism that was kind of rampant right. in our program, but we don't necessarily need to get into that too, too much here. No, no, but, but it is important to acknowledge that's, you know, where we're coming from. And a lot of our creative friends have come from the same environment. And I'm sure it's similar in, in other creative programs. Mm-hmm. Um, but it really takes the creativity out of the equation. Yeah, or it at least stifles it, you know, because you're already running your work through a critical lens. Mm -hmm. As you're outputting, as you're brainstorming, as you're performing, there's no way of getting around or, or getting out from under that critical how how where is this placing you know even <laughs> right. while you're performing for instance like when we were in improv class or yeah. when we we're doing combos when we we're doing performances just having that hierarchy in mind of like how am I lining up with mm-hmm. everyone else how am I doing mm-hmm. in comparison to everyone else yeah it's and that re- is a challenge with with doing um post-secondary music programs I mean I'm sure yeah I don't mm-hmm. know what it's like for for art programs, I guess I did that like art, the sculpture class in um, in university. And, and did you rank your your you classmates? De- I mean, <laughs> I sculpture could, class. <laughs> I was definitely aware that I was a little out of out of my depths of just okay. jumping into a sculpture class. Right. Fully thought I was joining a ceramics class. I did not realize <laughs> what I was getting myself into. But I, you know, I had a lot of fun. It, it stretched my 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 creativity. I made like a. a sculpture out of wire and fabric hats wow that I constructed each each one individually did not do great on that project I will say but but were you proud of it no (laughs) 
but I had a great time making <laughs> well, you had a great time. it. Great time, which okay. was kind of the point of the of the conversation, yes. like enjoying the process, getting back into the love of art, exactly, the love of making, yeah, the love of creating, and yeah, and just there's something very freeing about jumping into the deep end and just going for it. Um, Maybe drowning. <laughs> I don't know if that's particularly freeing, yeah. but um, it is helpful to to learn from. I say this to my students a lot. You know, the more you know, the more you realize what you don't know. Yeah, and that can be really overwhelming, yeah. right? And I think we both experience that going to school for music and just realizing how vast it is, how much knowledge there is, but also just um, the the creativity needed for these things. It's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's very never ending and really hard to wrap your head around. Mm-hmm. It can be really nice to just pour your creativity into something without that sort of narrative of it needing to be good enough in some way and another thing is that you know we I think anyone who's in a creative career feels a pressure to put all their creative energy into that one thing right it's like there's a bucket of creativity that you have and you need to pour it all into this one thing or else you're squandering your opportunities or your you know your uh, passion your career right this is the you know it's the the most important thing but um what I've learned from doing hobbies and from crafting and trying other creative endeavors and even from you know teaching music as opposed to just performing and creating it is that creativity breeds creativity, you know? It all kind of works together. There's no cap. There's no, you know, your bucket can overfloweth. And <laughs> there's still room. Creativity is like love. <laughs> the more you give, the more you get. Yeah, absolutely. And that does remind me of something that we had in the conversation that sparked the idea for this podcast, something that I was saying to you and we were talking about, you know, having a bit of difficulty with motivation and direction. Um, One thing that I said, and I, I don't remember where I first heard this quote, but it's I think it's a law of physics. And again, I never took physics in high school. So (laughs) So. apologies if I'm not, you know, saying this correctly. But essentially, the law is whatever is in motion stays in motion. I think it's the law of inertia. That sounds right to me as Um, someone who also didn't say. (laughs) We're arts kids, you know. If it wasn't already apparent. (laughs) Yeah. I was fully a bio kid to get that mm, science, yeah, that science uh, credit. Oh yeah, yeah. Whatever stays in motion, or no, whatever is in motion stays in motion, and then the opposite is also true. So when you feel bogged down creatively, it's so helpful to have another another outlet to ignite that spark and that joy and that love of doing. When I'm not feeling motivated for um, writing. Sometimes I just need to have a different project like and this podcast is a fantastic example of that like I'm sitting on some songs that I know I need to release and I know I need to kind of get that spark of motivation and inspiration to put out into the world and but I don't want to do it I don't want to force myself to do it for the sake of 
just for the sake of getting it out there, I, I want to do a good job. And I know that if I'm not in the right headspace, I'm not going to have the energy and the, the like spirit behind it to make it meaningful. So rather than force myself to do it because I know I need to do it and I know it's, I know those songs are there, they're sitting there for me. I am hoping, <laughs> and you know, we'll see if this works. I'm hoping that pouring my energy into this creative project will help get that motion, get, yes. get these, <laughs> you know, the, these cogs in motion and that will translate into other parts of my life. Mm. And that's, you know, that's kind of the aim of this podcast is to, help each other and and hopefully help you listener to connect to that creativity and 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 just to relate to the difficulties of um motivation and feeling stuck or feeling a little bit you know icky (laughs) about about (laughs) what you're putting out there we've all been there yeah we've all gone through the motions of trying to create without our heart being in it right Mm -hmm. and um there is an icky feeling that comes along with that. Yeah, it's really hard to stand behind your work when you're when the conviction isn't quite there. Mm-hmm, yeah. Absolutely. And with music, you know, I've realized right when you you say write a song and you for me, you know, I'm I'm in a band, right? You present the song to the group, you work on the song, and then you perform it for maybe years, and you're stuck. <laughs> with that song and of course you can always ditch it if you need to but yeah sometimes you know what's true in the moment maybe when you're writing this thing is not true years later and totally but if it's coming from a real place I think that's okay right you can you know obviously we can grow and we we evolve as musicians anyway but uh, if you're not feeling it right from the jump then it's going to be really hard to connect to it later yeah that's for sure Yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. And just on that note, in terms of like some creative habits that we've developed to keep these cogs in motion. Yeah. yeah. One thing that I did the other week was I set a challenge for myself to write every single day. And I've always been the kind of person, especially the kind of writer, the kind of songwriter who relies heavily on feeling inspired, feeling that spark mm-hmm. of inf- inspiration. And for years, like back from when I was in Selkirk, I've had teachers say, no, you got to write every day. You got to flex that muscle. And I always have pushed against that because it felt so antithetical to what felt good for me and what felt like it was in the flow of Mm. in, in my creative flow and what felt like connected to my heart. However, like I said before, you know, whatever is in motion stays in motion. Whatever is has stopped is so much harder to get going again. Absolutely. And so sometimes I do need to take that the path of discipline just to get those gears moving. So writing every day, I I wrote some songs. I wrote um, two, you know, like full songs. I wrote this piano piece that sounds like Christian easy listening <laughs> or what I imagine that to sound like. Nice. Okay. I wrote some like kind of creative nonfiction sort of essay work. And it was just so freeing to put some parameters (laughs) and put some expectation, you know, Mm. that's something that I learned or a a narrative that I've had from childhood is that I don't push myself. I'm not good at pushing myself. That's something that my dad 
um, said to me, both my parents are, are athletes, um, you know, and they, they're really coming from the world of training. You know, my dad was a football player. My mom was a very prolific and still is like a pretty prolific runner, marathon runner, triathlete, biker, skier, Mm -hmm. list goes on. And much to their chagrin, I've never, (laughs) (laughs) I was never the star athlete, although I'm sure it's in my genes somewhere. I just haven't quite, you could find quite accessed it yet. Find it buried deep down somewhere, I'm sure. And part of that narrative was just that I don't push myself. And so I'm kind of coming to terms with where and how much I can push myself. And a lot of that comes from discipline. And a lot of that comes from setting specific parameters. And that can feel really antithetical to creation. But I have found over the years that when you set out a goal and you set out kind of a small thing, you know, write every day for an hour, doesn't matter what it is, just do it. And then you complete that. It feels so much more doable. Just anything. Like, right. like, like writing a song feels so much more doable when you just decide you kind of have to do it. Right. And, and it's not write a song for your next album. It's just write a song. Mm-hmm. It takes away, again, that, that feeling that it needs to meet any kind of expectation. That feeling of criteria. Criteria. Yeah. yeah the, the genius of it is taken away. And uh, you can just, just go for it and um, see what sticks. Exactly. Yeah. And even when you kind of set out a parameter that's like, I'm going to say read every day you don't necessarily have to read the same book every day. You could have, you know, you could have seven different books and read 20 pages or 10 pages or one page of a different book each day and you're still doing the thing. Yeah. You know, and maybe that sparks an interest in, in one of the seven and then you go on to read the whole thing. Same thing with any any creative project. I think having the balance of motivation and discipline is 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 really key. And I know... I have just contradicted myself in this episode because <laughs> I've said I'm not feeling inspired to, you know, release my music and to really figure that out until I feel inspired. I think that having discipline in some other areas, whether it's writing or whether it's this podcast, is the path to finding that same discipline and that same inspiration for releasing my music. And it's just going to take a little bit longer because putting music out into the world is so personal. And I want to wait till I'm feeling good, good in myself and ready to share with the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You really are opening yourself up. You're not like we aren't doing that right now. I'm <laughs> talking to you, <laughs> talking about these things. But yeah, there is so much vulnerability that comes with, yeah. with art of any kind. Um, that's the beauty of it. But you do have to make sure that you're ready for that and yeah to bring on other people to bring on an audience because it's one thing Mm. to do something for yourself like doing the writing for instance that was just for me Mm -hmm. um but putting something out into the world where everyone can hear does feel more vulnerable just yeah and you know tbd (laughs) to how we feel about (laughs) these when we release them i'm sure it's going to be a little bit scary but here we are jumping in the deep end just going for it yeah and Uh, I think that probably wraps us up for this episode. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure we've got so much more to say on this topic. And, 
you know, I'm really looking forward. I know we both are looking forward to getting some guests on here that can that we can talk to about these things and that can shed some light on their own, you know, understandings of creativity and their practices that help motivate them and inspire them. And different outlets that they've incorporated to kind of support their creative spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, I know a lot of our friends have are, are, are gifted in so many areas. Yes. <laughs> and it, it, it's really inspiring to watch. Sometimes it's a little, uh, I guess, confronting when you see your friends who are so talented in so many areas, you're like, leave some for the rest of us. <laughs> I mean, just kidding. It, it is really wonderful. But um, yeah, I'm, I am really excited to continue t- for us to share any like tidbits of wisdom that we might have, you know, that's kind of wishful thinking, but just our own experiences. And and hopefully it's relatable for you listener. And we're definitely excited to glean a bit of that wisdom from our guests and our friends. Um, So I think with that, Karen, can you tell me your creative recommendation for the week? Yes. Okay. So mine is uh, for an EP that came out recently. Again, not the recent for the time of recording. I'm not sure when, <laughs> when you'll be listening to this. Uh, but my good friends and Alex's friends, uh, Bungalow, they just released a self-titled EP. Yay! Yay! Congrats. And congrats. Um, so Bungalow is um, toted as their, their own description is the hottest rhythm section in Vancouver. And I have to agree. I think they really are. So it's uh, Alvin Brendan. Benjamin Millman, Trent Otter, and my one of my best friends and the guitarist in uh, my band, Earth Tones, uh, Yamil Chain Haddad. And they wrote a bunch of really groovy, really upbeat and uh, infectious tunes that are amazing. I mean, they're so they're so gifted in their musicianship and their musicality, right? They're they're incredible, but also just their unique like personality uh just the group of them together I think you can really hear you know their personal spin on these things um on their their songs yeah it's just it's a really fun listen it's really been inspiring to me to listen to and uh, my favorite track off there is called Fairy Landing so to all you uh BC people out there <laughs> if you're if you're from bc you'll appreciate the intro uh it, it samples some good old bc fairies uh dialogue oh nice i'm excited <laughs> to check that out yeah it's pretty great awesome yeah what about you alex so my recommendation is a film and it is shaft 1971 <laughs> okay. a classic black exploitation film um so my boyfriend chris is um a cinephile like movie collector movie expert I'm going to say at least in my life more than more so than anyone else I know and so he's been introducing me to so many movies and last week we watched Shaft and I was not ready (laughs) (laughs) let me tell you that is just it's such a capsule like you know early 70s apparently the director I believe the director's name is Gordon Parks. He also had started a magazine called Essence, which features in the in the film like you you see it. And let me uh, caveat this by saying most of this trivia stuff that Chris told me. So I need to fact check. (laughs) Um, But yeah, the style is just incredible. That was another thing. So because he had this this magazine, he was really tapped into fashion 
And so just looking at the outfits, like Shaft's outfits, these like really fitted, it looks like cashmere turtlenecks, that chocolate brown leather jacket, just like iconic looks. And then and the cinematography and just the way they deal with color, especially in the the opening scenes, like red is such a such a theme color for the movie. Yeah, it's just so tasteful. Almost every line of dialogue is like <laughs> quotable. Right. And my favorite thing in the entire movie it, are the jokes that Shaft tells and then how uproariously he laughs at his own joke. It's so <laughs> charming. It's so funny. And yeah, um, I just need to look at the name. Um, yeah, Richard Roundhouse is Shaft and he's gorgeous. And so <laughs> it's just a fun watch. I'd like highly recommend uh, anyone who hasn't seen it, watch it. It's such a nice little piece of film history that I feel really happy to have seen. We also watched uh, Shaft 2, which I forget the actual title, but we watched that a few days later. I, I like it still, but you know, but I, I really, really loved the first one. So that's my creative recommendation for, yeah, 70s fashion. The music as well um, was fantastic. The colors. Yeah. Nice. Where did you watch it? Um, well, that's the thing about Chris. He's a oh, movie collector. Okay. Right. Yeah. He's so he had the it, the Blu-ray yeah, okay. or whatever. Yeah. All so right. I don't know where you it. could find it on streaming or you could probably rent it on Apple, Mu- uh, not Apple music. Oops. <laughs> that's not the one. <laughs> Apple movies, whatever, Apple you know, TV, Apple TV. Yeah. You know how to find movies, guys. Just, Just do, do it. your own research. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> but take my word for it. It's a great flick. So yeah. And that is us. This is Vicarious. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.